This podcast is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. We're going to talk about weddings, marriage, anniversaries. You had a big jubilee anniversary masses on both sides of the diocese. A bishop, as bishop, do you attend more ordinations or weddings? There'd be more weddings because really in a year I would at least have diaconate and priesthood ordinations for our own men. But sometimes I have, and often I have ordinations for the Holy Cross order, mm-hmm. either diaconate or priesthood. And then it was unusual to go to Africa and have those ordinations. Right. But I would say probably normally I'd have more weddings, but probably this last year I probably had more ordinations than weddings because I had those two extra ones in yeah. Nigeria. Well, when you're speaking to a bunch of couples celebrating their 25th, 40th, 50th, 60th, 65th, or 70th, I think that's what it was listed as, wedding anniversaries. First of all, it's, it's kind of a funny mix of, of anniversaries, but what, what are some of the things that you focus on when you're preparing for something like that? It's probably different every year. I always express gratitude for their witness to love and fidelity. Mm-hmm. I love having those masses because afterwards I get to meet the couples and it's just so joyful. And to be able to really express gratitude to them for their witness of, of married love. And Usually, you know, it's on a Sunday and I always substitute, a bishop's allowed for a special occasion like this to substitute one of the readings. So I substitute mm. usually the second reading. And that's how I usually focus my homily on, on that second reading that has to do with marriage. And this year I chose a passage from the first letter of John, which I love. And I don't recall that I ever preached on this at a wedding anniversary mass now, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So I really enjoyed preaching on it this year. Mm-hmm. So what, what is the, the gist of that? Oh, I guess, first of all, you can change a reading. Is that for any Mass or is it just for these special occasions? I, I can't do it on like if it's a Sunday of Lent or Advent or uh-huh. Christmas or Easter seasons. But if it's ordinary time, I can do that. Okay. Yeah. So Generally, when I choose that reading for the wedding anniversary mass, because they're always in September, October, so that's ordinary time, Uh I usually will take like a reading that's used at weddings. And this is one of the choices for a wedding mass. And I thought it might be helpful to the listeners if I just read this passage because it's so rich. And then I'll, I'll share a little bit about how I preached on it at the anniversary masses. Great. So again, this is the first... Letter of St. John, chapter 4, and it's verses 11 to 18. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. Yet if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is brought to perfection in us. In my homily, 
after explaining, as I just did, the meaning of that scripture passage from the first letter of St. John, I then talked about the anniversary couples. As you said, Kyle, 25, 40, 50, 60, 65, 70, even one couple, 74 years, by the oh, way, wow. up in South Bend. I told the congregation how these couples made a courageous lifetime commitment that many years ago, mm-hmm. a promise to be true to each other in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. And God, who is love, as St. John says, joined them together in an unbreakable union of love, that they made a gift of themselves to each other. And I reminded them of something that Pope St. John Paul II famously said. Mm. He said that man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of self. Mm-hmm. Even on this Redeemer radio program, I've talked about that because really, when we, especially when we're talking about theology of the body, mm-hmm. this is a key statement of John Paul's whole anthropological teaching. Man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of self. So I told the anniversary couples that this is what God called them to do so many years ago, to make a sincere gift of themselves to each other in the exclusive, faithful, and fruitful union that is marriage. That God called them to love and honor each other until death. God called them to be open to children. And I said that if they were blessed with children, to raise them in the faith and to educate them in love. Mm -hmm. He called them to be witnesses to the truth of love. And this is so key, it seems to me, especially in our culture today. We need spouses and parents to be witnesses to God's love in their families, but also in the world to be images, to be icons of his tender and unbreakable love. And when I shared with them this ideal, I also said to them, you know, this is impossible without God's grace, Mm -hmm. the wonderful grace that they received in the sacrament of matrimony, and also the graces they received in other sacraments. And I pointed out especially the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of penance, because none of us loves perfectly, okay? Because of our sinful nature, we can fail to love, and we do fail to love as Christ has loved us. You know, at times we may hurt each other, we may wound each other. And I said, you know, no husband and no wife loves perfectly, except for Mary and Joseph. Right. You know, so, and I I reminded them also of Pope Francis, his words, that in marriage and family life, it's necessary to say, I'm sorry. And Pope Francis says we should never be stingy in saying, I'm sorry, Hmm. or in saying, thank you, or in saying, may I. Doing so protects love and nourishes love. And then also, when a spouse says, I'm sorry, the other spouse shouldn't be stingy in, in saying, you know, I forgive you. I also think about the Holy Eucharist, and since we're in the Eucharist revival, I wanted to mention in the homily about the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist and the graces 
that we receive and that married couples receive when they are nourished by Christ's body and blood. Because the Eucharist really nourishes and strengthens us to love as he loved. It's the sacrament of charity. And at every Mass, we participate in his perfect sacrifice of love. Mm-hmm. I also try to get into some practical things when I preach about marriage. And I, in, in talking to the anniversary couples this year, I said, you know that marriage is a mixture of enjoyment and struggles. You know, it's a mixture of pleasure and annoyances. And I made a little joke about, I said to the wives, I bet your husbands never, never annoy you, do they? Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> they laughed. But it is. It's a mixture of joys and sorrows. Uh-huh. And yet, with the help of God's grace and God's and their cooperation with God's grace, I said to the couples, their love has endured and grown. And that's what we celebrate at the anniversary masses. I mentioned how a love that fails to grow is at risk. Hmm. I told them that they wouldn't be at the anniversary mass if their love had not matured and grown throughout their lives together, that they have learned to love. They've learned to care for each other. They've learned to support each other through challenges and difficulties. And their love has borne trials and, and yet has endured. And I said, that's what we give thanks to. Mm-hmm. Thanks to God for at the anniversary mass. I reminded them also that True Christian marital love is powerful. It's a love that never gives up. In marriage and family life, one needs to cultivate what I think we can call the strength of love, the strength of love, by not yielding to temptations to give up. Mm-hmm. And that's the promise that couples make to persevere, right. to not give up. And that's possible because of God's grace. And I said, he who makes a man and a woman one flesh in the sacrament of matrimony, God is always present with his love and grace. And that's why it's so important that spouses stay close to God, especially through prayer and the sacraments. So that was really the, the substance of my homily and at the end, I, I said, you know, again, thank, I thank them for their witness, their example. I, I said to everyone in the congregation, let's pray that as they continue to live their vocation of marriage, that the Lord would, would continue to strengthen their love and bless them also with joy in their marriage, yeah. the joy of love for each other and also the joy of the love of their families and friends who were there at the Mass. Yeah. Well, and I want to hear a little bit about, I know you meet with them afterwards and if you've gained any wisdom from them. But before we do, we're going to take a break. If you have any questions or you want to find past episodes, you can go to spokestreet.com slash askbishop. Coming up, we'll chat more about marriage, advice, some wisdom from Pope Francis, and more coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. 
We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives with products, services, and education. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it back to our members. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop talking about the anniversary masses that you celebrated. You shared your homily and I know you're a fan of St. John in general yeah. and the gospel according to St. John. You were quoting, well, first of all, you were reading from 1 John was the, the second reading that you had at that mass. But then you also quoted John 3.16. And I know other places obviously talk about love. I'm thinking, you know, St. Paul talking about love is patient and kind and all that. that we hear that at weddings a lot. Do you think, though, that St. John talks about it maybe more than others, or maybe it's more rich in the gospel and the letters of St. John? I think so. In my opinion, definitely. He's the only one who who says God is love. Right. You know, St. Paul never says that, although yeah. you see sure. the same truth, but he doesn't use those words. I mean, John is, St. John, uh, yeah, I love his gospel and his three letters and the book of Revelation. We've never done the book of Revelation yeah. on our show, yeah. but I mean, that's incredible too. Yeah. So five books of the New Testament were authored by St. John and his letters, the three letters are short, relatively short, and they're just filled with so much. There was a, There's a depth to St. John. You know, he's called in the Eastern church, they call him St. John the theologian. Hmm. You know, and and notice in art, he's represented by an eagle. He's often depicted with an eagle because his gospel like soars mm -hmm. even above the others. Yeah. I mean, they're all the inspired word of God, but John had special, I would almost call him like a mystic. And of course, when you think about his life with Jesus, I mean, he was so close to our Lord. I mean, there at the last supper, he rested his head on Jesus's breast he was there at the foot of the cross. So so I think there's kind of like an interior mysticism about John yeah. that he gets into the the profound depths of the mysteries. And of course, he took care of our Blessed Mother. So I even wonder, like, was some of that from her? Right. You know, it's, it's really neat to think about. I'm glad I chose him as my confirmation name. Yeah. <laughs> So when couples come up to you after these anniversary masses, do you ever pick up little bits of wisdom that they share or any fond memories of, of couples that really stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, since there's a long line for a photo and, you know, I, I, it's not possible to like enter into a long conversation. Yeah. So they're briefer conversations. Uh -huh. But still, I, I've really, like, I'll usually ask them where they were married, mm -hmm. you know, or and oftentimes there's members of their family there too, yeah. taking pictures and stuff like that. And some of them will share, you know, with me, they'll say something about what I said in the homily and how it touched them. Uh -huh. I mean, there's, it's always joyful at the same time. Like I, what I remember one couple, I forget what anniversary they were celebrating, but they had a few months earlier lost a child. Mm. So they related to the part where I talked about sharing in the sorrows mm -hmm. and, you know, like there was just something that really touched my heart. You know, my heart went out to them. That's probably the most difficult thing that any, anyone, you know, has yeah. to suffer to lose a child. And I remember that 
And yet, you know, they were basically saying that if it wasn't for their love for each other and God's love, that they that would have been that would have crushed them completely, you know. So I remember that pretty vividly. Other times, you know, yeah, they share all kinds of things and even sometimes humorous things about, I remember one woman saying that, yeah, you know, I'm so grateful. He really has helped me to grow in patience, Uh (laughs) (laughs) you know, things like that. But, you know, and and then even some who are like have physical disabilities Mm -hmm. and seeing like the loving care of the other yeah. when they come up to greet me. I mean, I, I love these celebrations. Yeah. Any advice for couples like myself? I haven't reached one of these milestones yet. Yeah. I think it's the day to day appreciation for your spouse. I think praying every day for your spouse, as well as your children, if you're blessed with children, I also would recommend that every time you go to confession, when you're making your examination of conscience, I'd say one of the most important things is to examine your vocation and how you're living it. In other words, to, to when you're examining your conscience, ask yourself how you failed to be the husband that God is calling you to or how you haven't lived up to that vocation to love. Because when we're purified of that in confession, or I would do the same thing as a bishop, Mm -hmm. you know, Hmm. examining my conscience according to my vocation. And and then that also helps us because we not only have that sin forgiven, but we have that increase of grace to live our vocation more faithfully and more beautifully. And I think that's because really that's our way to salvation. When you think about it, that's how you show your love for God is by your love for your wife, yeah, you know, and your children and that giving of self. And we shouldn't get so down or discouraged because we don't live up to the high commandment of love. As I said, none of us is perfect, but hopefully we're growing. You know, that's the most important thing. You mentioned St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, his great hymn to charity, the hymn to love is also a wonderful passage to meditate on the different aspects of love, kindness, generosity, uh, patience, all those things that he lists in that famous passage. Mm -hmm. There's a quote from Pope Francis. He wrote a letter to married couples for the year of the family. And I thought maybe you could just kind of share a little bit about how we could interpret this. He said, your lives become a single life. You become a we, in quotes, in loving communion with Jesus, alive and present at every moment of your existence. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought this was a very profound and kind of concise thing. Uh, the one that really jumped out at me, in, in loving communion with Jesus. I think sometimes we focus so much on the couple and this two become one, we forget that there's, there's three people involved in this bond. Yeah, exactly. You know, when when couple was married, really their human love is elevated and made holy, sanctified by divine love, uh, by the love of God. And I think that loving communion with Jesus, as Pope Francis speaks about it, is really right on target because his love is always pure. It's always perfect. It is perfect. 
and ours is not, but it can grow in perfection, especially a love in a marriage, by communion with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's why, for example, Holy Communion, the Holy Eucharist, is is really the food for married couples and for all of us, actually. Yeah. Well, this is great. And a, a good reminder for anybody that would be celebrating those anniversaries next year. You do this every year? I do, yeah. yeah so. Both sides of the diocese, both at St. Matthew Cathedral in South Bend and Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Fort Wayne. I look forward Always to that in the fall. fall. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Bishop. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.